The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. I have some incredible news. My second book, How to Have Difficult Conversations About Race, is now the number one new release in its category on Amazon. I'm so excited, so excited for this because we've put a lot of work into it and this was risky because as a lawyer who's focusing on negotiation and conflict resolution, talking about race seems for many to be outside of the scope of what I usually do. But again, how are we defining negotiation? We define negotiation as anytime you're having a conversation and somebody in the conversation wants something. And as the podcast is titled, Negotiate Anything, we can negotiate anything. And in my years of doing uh, all of this work in the professional world, difficult conversations about race is something that comes up over and over and over again in the workplace. And there isn't really a, a solid resource out there that blends the fundamentals of negotiation and conflict resolution and effective communication with this particular topic. So it's risky. It is risky to venture in this way, but I'm really excited and encouraged by this early result. So this is not just a win for me. This is a win for you too, because you are part of this tribe. And so a quick note about the book. Who did I write this for? I, I wrote this for the person who is passionate about changing the world and their organizations for the better. The leader who leads a diverse team and the professional who wants to learn how to overcome the hidden barriers that make it tough to connect with people with a different background. So whether you consider yourself an ally or just want to avoid making a critical mistake when discussing race, this book is for you. And for you as a podcast listener, I'm making a direct request. After six years and over 600 episodes of Negotiate Anything, I'm asking for your support in this endeavor to make the world a better place. Our goal of the American Negotiation Institute is to change the world, and this book plays a critical role in making that happen, and we would love to have your support. We have the links in the description of this episode so you can get your copy of How to Have Difficult Conversations About Race. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Negotiate Real Change podcast, where we highlight leaders who are creating positive change in their organizations. The more we talk to leaders in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, the more we started to recognize the patterns of successful change makers within organization. What we found is that when it comes to creating positive change, simply being a passionate professional who's armed with data, statistics, and research is rarely enough to create real change. So in this show, we'll share the secrets behind what it really takes for you to be a successful advocate, ally, and change maker in your organization. My name is Kwame Christian, and I am the founder and CEO of the American Negotiation Institute, where we conduct negotiation and conflict resolution trainings that help to make your difficult conversations easier. We also conduct trainings in the field of diversity, equity, and inclusion because we realize that there's a difference between passion and persuasion. And if you want to create real change, you have to be able to negotiate and resolve the conflict that comes with change. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do, make sure to check out the American Negotiation Institute.com or check the link in the description of this episode. And now, without further ado, let's get into the interview. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for this opportunity. No, it's a pleasure to have you, my friend. So how about you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? 
Certainly. Um, my name is Matt Lofi. I am the Director of Marketing and Community Outreach for the Westville Area Chamber uh, of Commerce. But in that role, I also serve as the Executive Director of Leadership Westerville. And to kind of give you the nickel tour of Leadership Westerville, we have two leadership programs, one for our high schoolers within our school district, and then uh, one for our adults that work or live uh, within the community. And so we put on a day of service for seniors, and then we also have our subcommittee of the Martin Luther King Legacy Project, uh, which we're going to be talking about. Fantastic. Yes, this is great. So for everybody out there, I'm in Columbus, Ohio, and Westerville is a suburb um, up north. And so it's a fantastic community. And this is going to be a fun episode because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the Martin Luther King Day celebration that the, the Westerville Chamber put on. And we're going to talk about specifically the hidden negotiations and difficult conversations that existed along the way. And Certainly. so actually, this is going to be kind of like using that as a case study to celebrate the great work uh, that you've done. And then also at the same time, a case study to talk about those spe specific skills that we might overlook. And before we get into it, we could, Matt, we could just tell them because uh, when we were doing the pre-interview, I know there at the beginning you were saying, well, I don't know if this is even negotiation stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's been wild because um, we, we went from this committee just putting on the uh, Martin Luther King breakfast each year. And then four years ago, we started doing community conversations uh, talking about about um, racial injustice, inclusion, equity within Westerville. And so our scope and our conversations have gotten deeper. Um, and some of the community reactions and, and input have gotten a little bit more, um, I don't know, heightened or, or sensitive in terms of how we kind of correspond and communicate with one another. But leading up to this breakfast, uh, we had a real eye-opening and I think heart-opening, uh, if you will, um, opportunity for us as a committee to look at one, what we're bringing, and then two, in terms of when we put on our events, what we should be looking at and the lens we look at it. Do, do you want me to, to just go right into it? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, so let's outline the situation for everybody. Certainly. We were um, getting ready to host our first ever uh, virtual uh, celebration just with everything going on this year. And this would have been our 16th event that we've hosted. And so as we were leading up in the months of planning, we chose to have a local figure, um, a clergyman within our, our community that uh, we've discussed at great length within our, our, uh, our committee. And there's about a dozen of us, men, women, uh, African-American, Caucasian. Um, we, we like to think that we have all voices represented uh, on our committee. And then just about a week beforehand, uh, while we thought we were sitting pretty in our planning, uh, a, a great concern was brought up and, and on, on social media, which grew, uh, pretty quick. And it was that, um, there were, um, fears about it, an event on Martin Luther King Day that would have a white speaker that then, um, takes away and silences the voice of, of African Americans within our community. And so, um, you know, there was a lot of things we wanted to do quickly. But then we ended up taking a slow and strategic approach, a committee approach, actually, uh, where we got a few different voices all with on a late night virtual call to be able to address the concern. And, and what was interesting about it was uh, as we were trying to craft the appropriate response, we really took it as a, a, an opportunity to press pause and say, all right. This is a, a really rightful concern, whether we, we agree or disagree about the premise 
and having a, a white speaker for this event, this is something that we need to think about, especially because it did come from an African-American female who we did not have a part of the uh, program. So we actually pressed pause in the crisis communications and said, you know what, this is a great point and a great learning opportunity for us to consider even more voices around the table and within our, our programming of this event. So we used it, one, to add, I think, a more dynamic aspect into our event, uh, which I can bring up later. And then we also use it as an opportunity to say, for our overall messaging, let's use this now as an opportunity to say, we hear you, we appreciate you speaking up, here's where our committee is at and where we've been, and here's where this event has been through the 16 years. We hope you'll join us so together we can continue to push through this event and our conversations one step closer to Dr. King's beloved community, which is our mission for the Martin Luther King Legacy Project. This is great. So again, it's great because of the work that you're doing, but also it's great as a, a, a case study for education purposes, right? What can we learn from this? And one of the things that I, I talk about in the negotiation trainings all the time is that sometimes the number one barrier for improving your negotiation skills is improving your negotiation awareness, becoming more aware of these negotiations and difficult conversations that are happening. Because once you identify it as a negotiation, now you're more intentional about the way that you navigate that conversation. Now you can be more persuasive. You can change hearts and minds and address these um, emotional concerns that people might have and de-escalate the situation. Mm -hmm. So when I'm looking at this, I'm hearing a, a few elements here. So first, the crisis communication portion for the team. This is this could be a problem, right? This could be yeah. really challenging. And if we don't handle it the right way, things could go way off track, right? So Absolutely. we have to have those conversations internally. And then there's going to be a tension within the committee between some people who want to strike now, just let's address this now. We have to say something right now versus right. people say, okay, let's actually slow this down. Let's think through this and address it in a more um, measured type of way. And so can you lead us through those conversations and how that went? Yeah. So my, my background is in communications and, and my degree is in PR. So I'm thinking we have to respond now, or this is just going to be a little igniter in, in a bunch of kindling. And it's just going to become, uh, you know, a for, you know, it's going to grow rapidly. I'm using bad imagery. Um, <laughs> and so once I started to think about and talk to our, our, our chairman of the committee, uh, who is a great community leader, uh, a clergyman within our, our community. And also, um, I think just to, to really bring the, the sensitivity and, and the, the thought behind our plan. And he is also African American. While we were going through the messaging, I was going to share it as executive director of a small nonprofit. But then as we started to kind of write out that messaging, we're like, time out. I would not be the best person if I'm going to rush right in here with a, a response from the two of us because it's not going to mean as much messaging coming from me being a white male compared to one, we haven't consulted more voices that were around the table, but also because those decisions were a group effort and we have a chairman who's been a part of this much longer than me. And then of course, um, is a, a, a respected leader within our community. We were like, we got to press pause, get more people involved in this conversation and really think about how we're going to one, deliver this and who is best to deliver this messaging, uh, which 
slowed it down. And then I'm just sweating going, oh man, please. The communication person in me was just like, I didn't want to strike now. I just wanted to not be silent. Yeah, no, that's tough. And I, I think it's a really important point to make. Who should be delivering the message? And I think about it for my negotiations as, as a lawyer. Let's say it's a situation where there are, it's a business negotiation, but it hasn't reached that point of litigation where we need to write a demand letter or something like that. And my client says, hey, this is the problem. I want you to handle it. I said, I am more than happy to handle it. But you have to consider the long-term ramifications of this with the relationship. Yeah. Is this appropriate for your lawyer to be hitting up the other side at this point? Or do you, we can, would it be better if we talk strategy first and you communicate this message in a more appropriate way, right? Because it sends sure. a different message. Even if I approach it in my normal, open, collaborative type of way, I am a lawyer. And that position alone will make people a little bit scared, right? And so recognizing who the messenger is, is important, especially when you're negotiating on a team. Definitely. I, I could only imagine what it'd be like having it come from you, a lawyer. And then, you know, same with, with us here. I'm, I'm, we, we got to get this out. We got to have it come from me. But then we were like, if we're being told that we're forgetting a voice, we also want to make sure before we comment that we bring all voices that need to be around the table so we can unify that message, yeah. uh, unify that, that response. Absolutely. Brilliant. Okay. So now we've had that internal dialogue, that internal negotiation. We've talked through that. And now we've come up with a strategy. You're going to have that message. And what I think was brilliant about this response is that not only did you have the message shared publicly and everything like that, you also brought her in and invited her for a, a conversation, which again, thinking about it from the, the angle of this podcast, that is a negotiation. That's a very high stakes negotiation. So tell us a bit more about that conversation too. Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And we will be right back after this. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. Well, we, we ended up having um, 
not the conversation that I was I was hoping. I I actually, as we were getting everyone around the table to discuss a response, I had reached out directly to the person to say I would love to to talk with you one on one, and we uh, she actually wanted to keep it within the uh, group and keep it public so everyone could see. But what we did um, do is that we had someone that was around the table helping us unify our response, uh, who is also serving as a, a board member within uh, Leadership Westerville, um, have that conversation because they had a great working relationship to kind of share and educate that, you know, during the past 16 years, we've had men, women, um, African American, white clergy, lay people. And, you know, we've had an opportunity through the years to really have a wide, I mean, I think even 10 years ago, we had a theater troupe present, um, as the keynote, um, for, for this breakfast. So we used it as an opportunity through a working relationship to say, you know, this has been a very, um, We've come at this with very different approaches year after year, and this year we just happen to have someone that that is is white. Yeah, no, that's great. And so when you were having that discussion amongst yourselves and you were determining what the right direction to go was, I know there was there were some adjustments that ended up being made. Can you tell us more about that too? Absolutely. Uh, we heard the concern. Uh, we really did. And, and, and when I mean that, I, I mean it with so much humility because I feel like a lot of times people are like, we hear you, but they don't necessarily, you know, do they mean it? We all had this moment where we're like, we, we actually, let me, let me stop right there. We came up with an addition to the program before we came together with our response. Mm -hmm. That's how much we took it to heart. And, and I can't share enough how much we stopped and we're like, this is a heck of a good point that we need to consider. And so uh, anyone that attended would not have known that, that we made any changes because we pre-recorded it for, you know, to eliminate any technological um, difficulties. But we added a, I don't know how old she is, but a college-aged African-American female as a speaker during our um, our event. And what's so beautiful about uh, her message is she voted in her first election that ultimately allowed her to vote in the first woman and the first African-American female into the White House um, as vice president. And so her message, I think, resonated so much because here she she shared a message of, you know, I know what's going on in the world. Here's my story. But I'm also hopeful because I got to vote and make history with my vote. And that brought so much um, love and, and, and compassion and just a beautiful story to what I hope was for all that attended a very inspiring and heartwarming and um, eye-opening um, celebration that we hosted. Yeah. And again, this is a really great example for us because one of the keys to being persuasive is the, is being persuadable, right? Being open to being persuaded. And I think that's counterintuitive for a lot of people because they say, yeah, Kwame, teach me how to get what I want. I don't, I don't care to adjust. I said, well, that's kind of unreasonable. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because sometimes people bring up good points, fantastic points, points that you missed. And if somebody brings up a good point, 
and you fail to adjust or you fail to consider it in a really meaningful way, then what's going to happen when you bring up a good point to them? They're like, hey, I remember how to respond to that. You showed me. I'm not going to change my perspective at all. And Certainly. so- by by being willing to adjust, hearing the concern and saying, you made a really good point. That is something that you that we missed. We had a blind spot and you exposed that to us and we appreciate that. And we're going to show you we appreciate it by making adjustments as a result of it. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I look at it and, and I was saying, you know, Leadership Westville, we put on a, a leadership program. Um, I share with community leaders all the time because we have business people, uh, those that don't even work, but they live within our community that are part, some that want to be involved politically, others that want to help nonprofits. But how ineffective would our community leaders be if we didn't listen and use that active listening and that information gathering and education to make positive change? I mean, for, for, for the sake of, of this particular case study, we're trying to put on a program that, that brings us closer to Dr. King's beloved community. We're trying to have it not just one session, but community conversations throughout the year to get us thinking about Dr. King. How, how ineffective would we be and, and, and how far off would we be from missing the point if we didn't actively listen and then change the points that we're trying to make? Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. I love this. I love this. And again, you're you're setting yourself up as a role model for the community. You and the committee, you're sh- setting yourself up as a role model because you're showing people how you can take criticism and make the adjustment while making people feel included. And I think that's a really powerful message too. It it was uh it was great. I I have to say uh, and and I'll keep it really brief. There was five or six of us on a very late night uh, call to address this. That's how serious we took it. But I just want to make sure that I say that it took all six people. Um, and, and, and I just want to make sure that it doesn't sound just like me. We had men, women, uh, African American, white, um, all different voices, but working together to ensure that we stayed on point of wanting to do what we thought Dr. King would want us to do because that ultimately is the mission of this committee. So I just want to use use a quick second or two to share that this was a, a group effort. And, and, and certainly I was blessed to just be a part of this personally and professionally. Yeah. And I think that's an important message to end on too, because the unity that you all demonstrated is important when it comes to the the way that we handle these tough situations. Um, when we're leaders, when we're negotiating on a team, whatever it might be, if you know that the people around you have your back on the decision that was made, it makes you more confident during the conversation. And it makes it a lot easier for you to, to communicate things clearly because you know that, uh, that everybody around you is on the same page too. Absolutely. hundred percent. That's fantastic. Well, Matt, we really appreciate that. This, this was really great. And before you go, can you tell the listeners about how they can get in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. You can find more information about uh, the Martin Luther King Legacy Project and Leadership Westerville uh, by going to westervillechamber.com, uh, or you can uh, find us on Instagram and also on Facebook, just uh, Leadership Westerville. And you can learn all, everything you need right there. Fantastic. There will be links in the description. Thank you so much, Matt. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. 
What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.